Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. We've got Ben Thatcher with us today from the city of Bernie, if I pronounced it right, correct? That is correct. Uh, and we are so glad to have you on as our guest. Uh, as, as a city manager, um, you've, I know you've gone through a lot of change. You kind of, we laughed at the beginning of this where we were trying to figure out what you're going to talk about. And you said you weren't sure if you had any and gave about 10 bullets. <laughs> and we said, hey, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you've been through as a city manager and uh, our listeners, I'm sure, will enjoy that. So we'll lead off with just an introduction. Tell them a little bit about who you are, Ben. I understand your family is steeped in city government. Yeah. Um, and we're glad to have you on the show. Sure. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Randy. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, yeah, Ben Thatcher, City of Bernie. We're about 22,000 residents in the Hill Country. We're about 15 miles north of San Antonio on I-10. And uh, while we kind of lopped in with being a, a suburb of San Antonio. All of the folks here in Bernie will tell you, first and foremost, we are part of the Hill Country and not part of the San Antonio metro area. There's a lot of great uh, pride coming with uh, being one of those uh, early Texas German communities and um, and the spirit that that brings uh, with that heritage. Uh, yeah, been a local government my whole career, pretty much going on 22 years. Uh, grew up in a city manager family. My father's a city manager. I think he's fifth city manager job has been all over the state of Texas. And we just kind of followed him along West Texas, South Texas, Houston, you know, college station area, North Texas. And, and I uh, got several brothers who are in it too, mainly in the Metroplex area. Um, two and a half years ago, June of 2020, I decided to, make a change and, and take on my first city management role, something that had been a career goal of mine. Randy and I have chatted about that for a long time. Uh, just oddly enough, it happened in the middle of COVID, right? Who, you know, three, four weeks after COVID hit, you know, remember, we, we thought this was just a three-week ordeal. We could get through it if we just ducked our heads down, though, long enough for three weeks and <laughs> get, get by us. Ride it out, right? Ride it out. And um, but then lo and behold, we realized, no, this is a lot more serious or mm -hmm. it has more complicated than that. And anyway, I had an opportunity. I had actually three opportunities all at once. It was the most bizarre thing. Uh, having, you know, looked at city manager jobs for many, many years. And it was I always joke with my peers that I was you know always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I was always one of the top finalists and lots of jobs. And uh so I started wondering whether or not I even had that opportunity. And then sure enough, in the middle of COVID, three opportunities in about the same, about in the span of a month, I had multiple options, offers to come uh, to, to lead a city. And so I was excited about that, very nervous, right? Because there's a lot of anxiety about what was going on with the pandemic. I had a son who was about to be a senior in high school. Uh, he wasn't really open up to the idea of moving. My wife was all on board by that point, having been in the Metroplex for in our whole married life and raising kids there and just seeing how how congested it was becoming and uh, just competitive on all fronts, even our schools, the school districts we were in. And 
And there's a lot to that comes along with being a part of those type of communities, a lot, a lot of opportunities, but at the same time, competitive uh, issues. We decided, hey, let's go try out a kind of semi-rural community. And, and uh, it, Bernie happened to be that uh, opportunity. But we've, we've never really looked back since. We've enjoyed it. We thought when we first moved here, we would be going back and forth to the Metroplex quite a bit. We haven't. I do have all my family up there. My wife's family is in the Houston area. They seem to come down here and visit us more often than we go up there. Uh, just because it's just more relaxing, more tranquil down here. Uh, and and it, we're, we're digging it. Um, interestingly enough, going into COVID, trying to figure that out, I was hired by a council that was kind of, you hear about these stories, Lisa, you may have had experiences with these in other communities or even in Grand Prairie, but where you have a complete almost changeover in city councils. Uh, not only do you have the folks that are termed up and ready to, to, uh, to uh, expire their term, but other people came in and, and, and with so much political pressure that existing council members resigned, and so they reappointed. So it was almost a complete turnover in council and uh, into mayor, and they felt like they needed to come in and, and, and they felt like they had a mandate to modernize Bernie, modernize the city government, modernize ordinances, uh, priorities, policies. And, uh, and and I don't know if that's a that was complete accurate attitude. I mean, that was the attitude that existed and that hired me. They, the city manager that I replaced had been here for 37 years. So he's one of those legacy city managers, done a lot of great stuff. I mean, Bernie has a strong identity, great community, great quality of life. There's a lot of things that are just excellent, in my opinion, that were already here. But, uh, you know, 10 years ago, they had a population of 10,000, and now we're sitting over 22,000. So a lot of just uh, kind of friction and contention that was happening because of the community change and the quickness in which, uh, which change was coming. There was a lot of conversation. It still exists every now and then of, hey, stop, stop with all the change, stop with all the disruption, keep it the way it's been, right? And that's kind of how the small town, rural community kind of vibe is. That was foreign to me, right? Having spent 18 years in South Lake, Texas, um, uh, you know, we're already built out. We're in the middle. I shared a border with five other cities. We work together with other cities. That's just not who I am. I mean, I don't have, I don't share a border with another city. I, I in the county seat, I have five commissioners on the county court that I have to pay attention to and work with. Uh, uh, you know, aside from the city council members, I got five council members and then a mayor. So a lot of political uh, folks, uh, the, that collect, that network, that political network is a lot more complicated than what I'm used to. Um, not necessarily a bad thing, just it was a foreign thing for me. I had to learn that. Not always bad, but just different. Just right? different. Absolutely. You know, when you're in Tarrant County and I have one commissioner that covers my whole city. I only had to really worry about one relationship with one commissioner on the court, not the whole, not all five of them. I, all five of my commissioners here have a piece of my city in their precinct, then a, a, a county judge, and, you know. So uh, that was different, um, getting a hold of, getting used to that. Uh, but then when I got here, I realized, man, that the, the mayor and council, they want things done fast. They want some quick change. 
Uh, I always joke that my mayor is one of those turnaround guys. He's a CEO of a movie theater company. He's been the chief information officer for USAA. He's done a lot of different things, uh, big executive corporate gigs. And he's one of those come in, make some change and then sell, get out when, when it's good. And then, you know, you can show that you've done some good work. And so uh, fortunately I've had him for three years and three years I've been here, almost three years. He was a councilman for a year before that. Um, he's, he came in right away when he interviewed me, uh, it was a natural good conversation for about two hours where I knew we were just jiving well. Everything he wanted done, I had experience in. Uh, unfortunately, in Southlake, we had to go through a lot of change management that was thrust upon us because of, um, I don't want to say scandal, but just uh, things that weren't done right with you know prior city management folks and administration. And so my new city manager that I was working with early on in my career in Southlake, we, we learned how to get through hard times, how to make things better, how to strengthen uh, your, your policies, your programs, how to create an organization that people would have great pride in. And that was all something I could quickly identify that was wanted here by this council. So we went to work. It just it was so frustrating because, A, I've never done it where I was completely solely accountable for it. I had done it as an assistant city manager at Southlake for many years. But now it was my time to have this opportunity. And uh, but stupid COVID was in the way. I had to manage that. And we're learning on the fly because we don't have a, we didn't have a county health director. We don't have a hospital in our county. I have a fire department. I'm the only fire department, only professional fire department in the county. We have to, we have all these volunteer departments we, we help with, we provide coverage for when, we, when they need help. But when in a pandemic, we had to step up to the, uh, we had a, a moral obligation to provide leadership during this because the, the county didn't know what to do. The, uh, the state, when you talk to the, the Texas Department of Emergency Management at the state level, they wanted to talk to county health directors. And, uh, and you didn't have one. The fire department probably had almost served in that role, huh? Exactly. And so mm -hmm. I had, I, I tasked my emergency management coordinator, which was my captain in my police department, oddly enough, that's kind of different too, but had him, you know, get on, handle all this for the city. We, we figured out, we forced our way into the conversation at the state level on how can you allow us to provide the vaccinations at that time, municipalities really weren't doing it unless you had it organized by your county health director. So I got on the phone with the Arlington, Texas of the world, the Hearst, Texas, the, those folks who were trying to figure who were figuring this out and said, how, you know, give me your template and I'll model it at a, a smaller level and show that plan to the state. And eventually they, they saw, they got annoyed, I think, hearing from us so frequently. They finally said, all right, we'll give you 500 shots and see what you can do with it. And, and we did it really well in the first, you know, three days of doing this. And, uh, and then I think that opened the door for them to trust all, all communities across the state. I don't think we were solely the, the one example, but we early on took that on. And, but anyway, you know, when I first got here, the, the average tenure of my executive leadership team was probably in that 25 to 30 year range. And they were automatic, you know, automatically my first week here were telling me, all right, I got one more year. I got, I'll give you two years. Right. And I'm like, okay. So I'm hashing all this out, trying to think through the priorities the council wants me to go through managing this. 
And, you know, I didn't come in saying, all right, we're changing the tone right away. Of course, I have my own personal leadership traits and whatnot, but I knew I needed to have a framework quickly or else this was, I wasn't going to be successful. I needed to be deliberate and intentional with the approach and I needed to have it in a balanced manner. And so I, I can't remember. I had a good, had a, he's the mayor of South, like now is a former council member. When I was there. He gave me a book on how to, when you become a CEO of a company and what you should do, you know, the first things you should do your first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And I looked at that my first week here. I'm like, I need a framework. And they had this, this chart and I go, I'm just ripping that out. And I'm going to, I'm going to replicate that at the local level. And I did and that provided me a lot of guidance, helped me get some quick confidence going in. And uh, once I got that under my belt, I, I was able to kind of move on from there pretty easily. Um, but just identifying things, master plans, trying to be very strategic as Randy, you know, knows uh, my background. I'm very strategic minded. I don't do anything haphazardly and put a lot of analytical thought behind the approach before we even execute. I need, I want to make sure I have the data involved. And so I had to, I had to go to work because we had no data. We didn't do citizen surveys. We didn't do employee surveys. I didn't have anything to really purposely help me out on wh where to go. Uh, things were done and not necessarily in a bad way, but decisions were made kind of shooting from the hip uh, in the past or and typically that happens when you're a small city because it's manageable. But as you grow quick and need to add on new employees, then um, then the story changes. So, you know, you fast forward two years of the pandemic and as we get we're still through, you know, working through it. But we start, you know, easing all the restrictions and all the things, all the hoops we were jump, making ourselves jump through uh, with managing employee sickness and whatnot. And you, and the next thing you know, I've almost been here two years and I look back and, I'm, and I realize our community has grown another 25% since I've been here in two years. We, we were 17,500 individuals and now we're over 22,000. So that's a huge change that people didn't realize because we were so focused on COVID and, and the winter storm uh, uh, that uh all of a sudden, we realized we're starting to feel some friction in some of our services we were providing, the planning department, the building inspections, some code, other things, utility billing. We just didn't realize exactly what was the cause. And we were just floored to see that much uh, uh, population increase and change over the course of the pandemic. People are leaving California in droves. I know that's, you know, the experience all over Texas, but right. big time in, in Bernie. They love the small town feel. We're getting folks moving from Dallas and Houston right and left. They wanted to get out of the San Antonio area, but they want to be close to an international airport. And we fit that bill because we have a we have one of the top school districts in the state too for small for small school district sizes. We're one of the best. So all of a sudden we realized, well, heck, we've I've got to I got to get my staff in gear. And this was kind of the theme for 2021. Even, well, 2022 um, started out in 2021 towards the end. I realized that we needed to, to um, focus on our priorities. We needed to assess the services we were offering. Uh, I needed to have conversations with directors candidly about what it is we've always done that we needed to stop doing because we're a different community than we were a decade ago. And now all of a sudden I had a citizen survey that I did 
in the uh, spring of 2021 that actually gave me quantifiable um, data to use that helped in our budget allocation. That was all for that, that methodology, that conversation, that jargon was all new to the team that I had. And so I had to teach them little by little about what that meant and why that was a smart way to operate because that would provide them political cover. That would provide them, uh, you know, the strategic, you know, cover to, to do the right work in an, an effective and efficient manner. So here we are almost two years later, we're doing our second survey right now. We're in the middle of it, getting good responses. I've, you know, last year we needed to, my council, when they hired me, they said we needed to do a bond election. Last year was the worst time to do a bond election with all the inflation increases and the price of everything going up. Then the appraisals, the property appraisals that went through the roof statewide. Uh, but my council wanted a bond election. They hadn't had a bond election in 07. We had so many capital needs that hadn't been addressed. That was a priority they'd given to me. And so I realized that this was a bad year to do it. But I also knew I had a mandate to have the conversation and put it out there. Randy knows me. I, I don't do anything haphazardly. I've got it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to put a lot of uh, good thought behind it. So I got with my team and I said, we strategically need to, think through how to navigate the conversation with the council because they want to have it open, you know, in our city council, they want to have open conversation about it. Our community is going to follow it. Newspapers will pick it up. Um, and when you looked at prior bond elections in the end of 2021, and you saw where there was a sharp turn in, in, in bonds, both on the school district and city level uh, failing that didn't help out the conversation either. But so I used the citizen survey tool to my advantage. I said, this is exactly what our residents are telling us they want, what's important. Here's what we know is important to us. It's in our master plan. Sometimes those don't connect. And unfortunately, there's some things that that certain departments wanted in the bond, but weren't measured appropriately or weren't warranted for the citizen survey. It was more of a, it'd be nice to have for us as employees. And um so I had to, you know, we, we pitched a bond that was balanced and appropriate for citizen service demand, customer pool. It was backed by the citizen survey. And initially we identified $70 million in, in need. Council settled on $50 million. Then when all the appraisals came out, I said, we need to track that down to $36 million. I know we could get $36 million approved and it meets the basic needs that people are asking for. Um, with roads and parks and, and whatnot. And we had a, uh, a successful bond approved in November. Now that's not, that's small potatoes. Grand Prairie, y'all are gonna, you guys are gonna just uh, outnumber us all the time with your bond needs, right? But that was huge for the city of Bernie because we haven't done one in 07. And- uh, So that was last November, Ben? Last November. 22? Okay. And we had over 60% approval of our bonds and, and, and higher approval than the school district. They had a bond measure that passed and, and, and we had higher. And, and, and some folks acted surprised that we had higher approval on our bond. I, I wasn't surprised. I knew exactly because I had the data behind it, right? And, um, and so that's the story. That's what I've been teaching my leadership team. Let's be strategic. Let's be deliberate. Let's be intentional. We, let's set the table before we actually do the work. Um, 
you know, we can go out and do the work all day long, provide the services, but if it's not what they want, then we're spending, like you said earlier, Lisa, you go one step forward, 10 steps back. That's what we were finding out. My experience, my first year, year and a half here, I was tired of spending all this time and energy trying to clean up the messes. And so let's just be more thoughtful on our approach. And Well, let me, keep- if, I, if I may, can I ask a question? Because I know there's, there's so much turnover in the past two years in cities. I mean, you're seeing a lot of just exactly like you said, ours happened with us too, with Tom, you know, city managers that have been here 30, 35 years that are leaving assistant city managers that are leaving or going to other jobs. You're seeing this uh, cycle of, we're just in a cycle of turnover right. right now with lots of opportunities. Even you said it, you had, you were the bridesmaid, never the bride for many opportunities. So you were experiencing that. But for those listeners, it does, you know, whether you're a city manager role, whether you're coming in as an HR role, a planning and director, economic development, it's all about our city and matching what you've said, which I think is key to what is the need. And um, if you if you don't mind, and I didn't want to interrupt your full story, but I think it's a valid point. How did you, you knew what you needed, but how did you get buy-in from your team to prioritize the need to first identify it and then prioritize it? So you had buy-in from a team that you're leading brand new through COVID where laws are changing every day, right? Beneath your feet and resources you didn't have. Can you tell us a little bit about how, what your approach was that was successful for you? Well, and he likely didn't even have the right, necessarily the right people in place. Yeah, and it's not like you were a city manager before. You were an ACM. You're in a brand new role. So how did how did you kind of help our listeners understand what was successful for you in that 30, 60 day plan, you know, that you kind of ripped a page out and said, This, I'm gonna do this. Tell us how. So in that 30, 60 day plan I was alluding to, it talked about, hey, your first month you need to do this. You need to have these type of interactions with this level of leadership. And then, you know, the next level of leadership, you should talk about this. And it didn't tell me exactly how to do it. It just said, do these type of things uh, and have these general types of conversations. So I knew right away um, I would have a, and I, and, I, and I got my mayor to agree to this shortly after I got here, we would have a strategic workshop where we would talk about the process and, and uh, Randy knows I'm a big sports guy and football. A lot of football coaches talk about a framework or a process. I'm the same way. It's being intentional and deliberate. So what I did with my team and with the city council first, I said, okay, here's our annual budget process. Here's these other little side processes that we have where we plan things. I want to make it all uniform and together. And so here's how I'm going to do that. It's kind of some things, tricks I learned from my uh, my former city manager I worked with for a long time, a good friend of mine in South Lake, And uh, she, she always would tell me, look, uh, I don't know who exactly said it. I know George Bush Jr. said it once, but, you know, we don't, we're going to swim to where we want to go to. We're not going to let the tide let us, you know, float us there or take us there. So we knew we want to be deliberate and intentional. So, so I told the council, this is how I'm going to work. This is what I'm going to do in the next year, year and a half. This is what I'm going to accomplish these priorities. And I'm going to come to you at these points and, I'm going to have these communication touch points with you. So you're going to know I'm going to be very strategic and deliberate about my approach. Had that conversation first with the council. Next was with my leadership team. And I said, okay, uh, here's, here's who we're going to, here's what we're going to represent as a leadership team. We're going to be a high performing organization. I'm a big believer in HPO and that methodology and philosophy. And that has varying degrees 
uh, for any organization, but I knew we were going to be, I wanted to be a great organization. We're going to be a high performing organization. So I defined that for my, my leadership team early on. So we're going to look at continuous process improvement. We're going to look at being an, an employer of choice. I want to be an organization where employees are so proud to be a part of Team Bernie that they, even if they have opportunities to go to other cities, they're going to want to stay in Bernie because of what we offer, because who we represent, because we're, we have this excellent vision of what we want our community to be and we're, and we're getting results on it. Uh, and there's there several other elements. So I shared that with them. You know, and I get, I gave all the MBA business pyramids and and you know values centric value statements. We didn't have a when I got here. There was no city mission statement, no vision statement, no value statements. Departments had kind of their own, but there was nothing aligned. And so I quickly got the whole organization. I emailed the whole city, all the city employees, and said, "I'm doing this. Tell me what you think." Uh, you know, what, what does Bernie mean to you? What, you know, what's important from a community perspective, from a city perspective. And I got all this information and then I tied it up into a bow and we, we kind of wordsmithed some things at the leadership team level. And then I had the council adopt it. What's funny is all of my value statements now that this council adopted, they're front and center on every council presentation. They're, they're referenced by residents who get up and speak in public forum upset about how we handle something they'll reference our value statements they our vision statement gets referenced all the time by consultants and and, and employees so um, I'm, you know i'm kind of tickled you know a little bit and thinking if i'm not here next year there's a trajectory already where this is going to keep going it's that momentum is being built and people know that the process we put in place the layering of things is working. So to answer your question, I started out just saying, here's what, who we're going to be. Here's a couple of things. I'm going to have to teach you what this looks like over the course of six months, a year, 18 months. And, um, uh, and so we've just done a lot. It's just been a lot of organizational development. Share those, sta have, share those statements with us. What do you mean? The, uh, yeah, the value yeah, vision? Yeah, yeah. Share these, share these kind of statements that you've referenced. Right. So we have a, a a vision statement or a mission statement that says we're going to be an exemplary hill country community. We have value statements, value, core values of integrity, excellence, collaboration, respect, and service. Um, we define those. I, I created employee huddle groups where they actually came together and they defined the, the value. I didn't define it. We picked it. We solidified it. I had the leadership team. I bless it. And then I put these groups together. When I got here, I had, 15, 16 different departments. There was so many departments and I kind of consolidated some and, and they all were silo oriented. They never really went out of their department to go work with and talk with other departments. And so I kind of forced some of that. Um, and so right now I got, a, you know, we've had so many good positive experiences out of that. They're liking it. Everyone's getting, they're licking their chops because they want more. They're like, we, we've improved so much internally from employee engagement. And I can tell you quanti quantifiably, because we use the Gallup Q12 survey, I'm a huge proponent of that methodology. When I got here, I did a, the Q12 survey that can actually measure how engaged my organization is. And, and in 2020, the fall of 2020, we had an engagement level of like 30%, which is the national average. 
And we just did it again. And now I'm up to like 46%. So in the span of two years with COVID and winter storm Uri, I can tell you that almost 4.5 out of every 10 employees is engaged, highly engaged, up from three out of 10. And my actively disengaged fell drastically. My my directors now have which is huge. I think that's the bigger side is that you want the disengaged to move off, go somewhere, (laughs) you know. Well, the other thing when you look at the national average is over the course of that same time, the national average fell Mm -hmm. even from that 32, 34 percent. It fell to almost 29 percent. So we actually improved over that same time period in a, in a drastic way. So my directors are they're now catching the vision. They're like, oh, OK, everything you're talking about does it is meaningful, it actually accomplishes what you, you set out to you said would, would happen. Now, I've had naysayers. I've had executive naysayers who, you know, tell me what I wanted to hear. Right. And um and, you know, you can sense that and snuff that out. But my council loves it. They 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 love all the staging we've done, get, setting things in place. Uh, it's, it had one councilman so upset for the first two years. He goes, we keep talking about all these things and these plans we're doing. And he goes, I want to get work done. Well, now we're getting the work. We're starting to get real work done. We've got these bond projects coming on board, plus not only $36 million in capital projects in the bond election, I got another $50 million identified with other sources, federal funds we've got our hands on, um, utility projects. Um, and so we're going to be doing a lot for this community. And uh, and then we're, we've, in, we've improved the morale and the, the organizational pride that happens, the employee engagements, you know, continuing on a, a good trajectory. So people want more and more, right? You get addicted to that. And I think uh, that's I think that's so amazing because really as you're talking, so much of what you did was cultivated by relationships. Relationships with relationships and listening, which is a huge part of relationships of understanding the need like you said, you understand right. the need of your council, of the mayor, and then you communicated that of your team, of your community. Uh, and we talk about, Randy and I talk about so much in this podcast uh, over and over that leadership is, uh, you know, about service to others, really serving others. And that it's not about yourself. You're not doing this to make Ben look good. Right. right? I mean, you, you could be a little tiny bit, but but overall, it's really about capturing what others are asking you to accomplish to make your community better. We talk about grow great. That's our whole, grow you great, right. grow your team great, grow the community great. And you've accomplished that through service to others, through listening to their needs, and then actually developing a plan to roll that out. And I think that's critical. And it doesn't, like you said, the Grand Prairies, we may, have, we may just have more, but what you're doing is exactly the culture that a great, organization and city, regardless of size, can have through a leader that listens and then puts into place things to make what the need is better, right? right. Yeah, you, know, you bring up a good point. Um, it's this role we serve in public service isn't about us. It's Mm-mm. about building a great community, serving people that have expectations of us. 
stepping up to the challenge if it's providing vaccinations when not when there's no opportunity to get that in your county. Even during the winter storm Uri, I'm really proud of the fact we worked it, we put it in overdrive. Now again, it's more manageable because we're a small community, but we're one of the few cities that didn't have boil water notices. We didn't. Uh, we were able to keep water flowing. We were able to keep electricity on. No one, you know, and there was parts of my town that are served by other co-ops, but the part that was city controlled, city influenced, we kept everything going. Now we busted our butts, you know, to do that. And I'm proud of my folks for it. But, it, you know, that whole aspect of service, which is one of our core values is, is pretty strong here in Bernie. Uh, I sometimes I've had to have conversations with my team as we're doing this change, going through this. They hold very firm to a notion of or, or a direction that they were headed in or they feel like we need to head in. But then we come to find out that may not be important to our community or might not be important to our policymakers. And they have a hard time with it because they live here in this community. And I have to tell them, I live in this community too, but this isn't our community. We, we, we get to reside here, but this is their community. We're serving our policymakers, our council members, our PD, our residents, our constituents. And so we really have to keep that in mind. That's another, you know, uh, kind of notion I learned with my time in Southlake, because in Southlake, not very many people that work there live there, just can't afford to live there. And so we had to remind ourselves, this is not our city. Um, and, and, and I've had directors who've had a hard time accepting that because they feel like they know better what should be happening for our community. And uh, so I'm trying to change just even the community uh, reputation or the reputation of the city that's that the community has of us of not being trustworthy, transparent, working for the communities. And, and we're doing a lot there, too. I think um, even in this latest citizen survey, I'll be excited to see when we get the results next year, how we've improved year over year in the last two years in that regard. Well, let's talk about for a minute, if you don't mind, uh, since it's relevant to what you just said, so much of change management is not only first seeing the need and identifying the need and then working towards change on just the basic needs, the basic needs of your team, of the organization, of the city, of the, the council. But you do have in any change management, those like you, I think you referred to them as naysayers, those that are just firm in their position. They know better than you. They've been there longer than you. Um, walk us through how you serve them, how, you know, how you serve them and either help them see your, your vision and get them on board. Or, you know, we always used to say, get them on the bus, get them right. off the bus or get them in the right seat. Maybe they're not in the right place, but there's a place for them at the city. Can you kind of help our listeners understand how yeah. you went about that change management? Yeah, so a good question. So early on, um, we knew we would, you know, there. I knew I'd have, you know, the uh, the planned uh, retirements already coming up. Where I think two weeks after I got here, my fire chief retired. Uh, they, and they failed to let me know that in the interview when they hired me uh, that I was going to be needing a new fire chief right away. But um, you know, as I was working through that, um, we're. And I told him, I said, yeah, hey, I'll, I'm here for you as we go through this. We're going to go this direction. We're going to be excellent in what we do. We're going to we should be the pride 
of or a great example of uh, a small city of our size in the state of Texas. I want the Texas Municipal League to prop us up as the example for anyone of 20,000 or, or less, you know, in residents. Um, and, and they all, yeah, that sounds good. They want that. But uh, but going to work and having someone provide a, a, a communicated direction and then follow up on that direction was new to them. Uh, they, they had seen... They've been given antidotes and, and, and statements and, and platitudes, hey, we're going to do this. But then it was never followed up on. The moment I followed up on something, they were all stunned. And, um, and in the leadership team, I said, all right, you know, last time we talked about this. I want to know what your thoughts are. And, and uh, you know, hey, I gave you this exercise to do. Did you do it? And, and they were just were shocked. Uh, we actually read a book once. I forget what the book was, but Noah's the Q12 managing great. Um, and uh, and when we got through it, they're like, we had no idea we were actually going to read that book together. As you, we would read a chapter each leadership team meeting because they had read so many books before it started and never got through it. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm just telling you, they weren't used to follow up and accountability. And, and that's kind of in my DNA. And so I bring that as they start to see that I mean what I say, then those folks who weren't sure or were questioning things either figured out that I was going to have them operate a certain way or else, right? And there was never any threat. I think my mayor even said, you go too slow on, on causing disruption. And he wants disruption. He wants change quick. And he can do that in the private sector. It's, at least, you know, it's not that easy all the time. In, in That's right. Government. And, uh, and so I had to kind of educate my counsel on that. And I said, look, give me an opportunity to work with them. Let them see who I am genuinely. And I think, uh, you know, it'll work out. And for the most part, it did. A lot of folks, I think, uh, you know, there's folks that accelerated some retirements than what they originally told me, I think, because they understood what I was trying to do. Not that they were in opposition to it, not mm-hmm. that they disagreed with it. They just realized, man, this this is actually some work. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe more work than they were ready for uh, or wanted to do at that point or the pace. We've had that. Uh, We've had turnover due. I just I don't want to do that pace. You know, exactly. I don't want to be frantic all the time um, with for good cause, for good reason. But I, I, I do get that. And we see that here, too. And, you know, and I and I can appreciate that. And I, I respect that. And I, and I, you know, someone who who can be honest with you up front as opposed to act like they're you know, walking the way you want them to walk. And, you know, I don't, we don't have time for that. I've had to have some of those encounters where people aren't doing it genuinely. And, and, and I've had to talk, have the trust conversation with them. I'm a big uh, speed of trust guy. It's another one of my uh, programs. I just am all, I've bought all in on the whole, you know, character and competency equals trust. And I can tell your character and I can tell your competency pretty quickly and so uh, I've had a couple of folks where I've brought, come in and said, all right, let's talk about what's not working well or where, where you might be frustrated with me. We'll talk about that. And then I, I bring up the C plus C equals T. And I say, so something's not working here. And um, I, I can tell you whether it's a character issue or a competency or both. You know, when you lay it out like that, and I, I do it in a respectful manner. I said, that's just my observation as the city manager and as the boss. So what are we going to do? 
I got three options, right? We can talk through those three options. And I've had those conversations a few times and it's all worked out the way it needs to respectfully, whether it's folks who stayed on longer and, and had a change in heart or else folks that uh, realize, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. I just, you know, these it's are not my, for me, but not for me. Mm-hmm. I've not had any, I've, I've had maybe one, maybe two um, very difficult employee transitions, the, but the rest have been great. And I've had a ton. I've, I've, I think I've had seven director retirements, um, I've had a lot of assistant directors and other things, just a lot of change. Um, Give us an idea of the scope and scale, the head count and kind of the hierarchy so that we understand the scope of From the that. employee standpoint. I know uh, you gave us population earlier. So I got about 300 employees. Okay. Um, uh, like I think it's 15 department heads. Um, I think uh, I've, had to recruit a police chief, a fire chief, two, I'm on my second fire chief, um, second HR director, finance director. We're hard, Ben. We're hard one to find. <laughs> I'm kidding. The point is seven, <laughs> the point is seven in your organization. That's a, that's a substantial. Seven yeah. out of 15. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's hard to get traction throughout to become a high performing, great organization. If you're not, you know, if you don't have everything, you know, all your bases covered at your highest level of leadership, your leadership cabinet. Yeah. You know, when I got here, they didn't have an HR department. It was, you know, and, and for 300, that's interesting. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big group because you want to have one to 100 typically. Yeah. So that's so, a pretty big gap. So in most cities, when you're small, you, you might have an HR generalist. And we had an HR generalist that worked with the city secretary and an assistant city manager. Okay. And between the three of them, they divvied up the HR functions. Okay. So right away when I got here, I'm like, you know, they had a vacant assistant city manager position. I said, I, I'm going to pause on that. I need an HR director. I need a formal HR program. Uh, we're 300 employees. I got five, six utilities. Um that uh, that I have to provide that have safety and risk issues associated with them. I, I go, we got to we got to take an HR program very seriously. Plus, I want to know what my employee engagement levels are like, and so we're gonna. I need to roll that out. I was one of my first hires hired from the private sector. That was in the COVID. I'll tell you, those that first year, tw- late twenty to early twenty one, recruitment was hard. People weren't really wanting to move wanting to leave. Uh, and when you're in the Metroplex, it's musical chairs. You know how this works. It's very competitive. You're competing with your peer, your neighboring cities. Well, no, and I, you came in during COVID, which was even worse. Talking about people were scared to death of this, this undefined illness, right? I mean, we knew it had a name, but we didn't know really what it was about for a, a very long time right. and the severity of it. So, you know, speaking of, so bring on an HR department, my whole organization, they're like, okay, that sounds cool, but they don't know what that, they'd never worked with an HR department before. And so I brought in a, an HR director who was sharp from the private sector, who knew all, all the ins and outs of HR. Um, but she really struggled making the relationship connections with the department. So we're thrusting change, new policies, updating, you know, personnel uh, policies. And, and there was just pushback almost the whole way. And so uh, 
you know, that, uh, you know, I think that director got fatigued, you know, through that. And so I had to go in and hire a new one this last year. And that's worked out well. I, I realized I had to be a little more methodical, a little more, um, I had to manage the pace of the change a little differently than my, than what I was getting pressed by my city council. Well, and a great HR partner, uh, just like your other directors, when they have, it's, I think it says something that you value their seat at the table from a strategic standpoint. We aren't just the policymaker. We can help you on so many things from risk to strategies to engagement. Uh, and it sounds like you're right on track with the the value that can have in that position um, citywide. I mean, right. they truly, you know, I always, I always say it's the hub because we have to find the people, hire them for you because the departments can't operate without people, um, retain them and then right. retire them, right? And reward them, of course, along the way. But it's so many components. If we don't do that well for you all, um, for the council and for the city manager and all the departments we serve, that has a, a huge impact on an organization because we can help you identify the needs so your business isn't fully engulfed in that 100% of your time, right? Yeah, but uh, it, it that that sounds like a bit, that's really, I'm, I'm just impressed that you had to do that in all of the COVID because that's a time, man, that was a tough time to to fill that for your city. Being so large and only having one really, uh, I call it kind of a, a helper or an entry level role in that. So my, uh, so I had a director who retired last year and due to some health issues. And uh, that individual came to me in June and said, Hey, I, um, think we're going to retire. I'm like, no, no, I can't have you retire. I, I'm tired of feeling, going through recruitments. I go, can we, can I work with you differently? Can I, can we provide some other support here? Let's, let's work hand in hand on this. And, and that director gate, you know, said, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But then ultimately at the end of the year, like six months later, he's like, no, I really need to retire. And so I understood, I respected that, but that's kind of how I started to feel there towards the end. I'm like, I don't want to do any more executive recruitments um, because that's a process and that provides anxiety to, you know, your department, your employees in those departments. And they just seen so much change. I'm really excited about 2023 because I think we've just done so much staging, so much preparation um, that in, in filling um, important critical seats with the right people that 2023 is going to see a lot of uh, good stuff come out of it. You know, you we've know. talked about the time frame a little bit, Ben, early, I think before we actually hop, hopped on the call, if I remember right, but um, for city managers out there uh, or department heads, maybe a big cities, um, this change that's occurring, wh what do you say? I mean, if you can give your best advice on what this looks like from a timeline standpoint, to get this amount of change accomplished, because you had a lot to get done. I mean, from departments not having, you know, mm -hmm. no departments existing to managing a public health crisis to setting priorities for council for things that hadn't been done for setting a bond package you're talking about. Walk us through how you determine what does this take with turnover and assessing the organization um, in your mind? I, we, you, it's already been two and a half years, you said, but what does that continuing pattern look like for you and for others listening? So, so I was fortunate that I had a mayor that understood culture 
and change management and was hiring for someone who could be an organizational development culture guy. And he, and as I would express my frustration to him on how things are going, he goes, look, it's three to five years, three to five, three years on the, on, on the quick end, five years is average, you know, probably more the norm. And so, uh, you know, to, to, if you're really looking to do a culture change, then you're in for a lot of work. You got to know you got to roll up your sleeves and dig in. And that's a three to five year effort. All the other things I've had to deal with, you know, backfilling key positions because of retirements and, and you know, getting the bond stuff and handling a pandemic and a and weather event. That's just part of what we do, right? That's just the day to day. That's just, that's just right? yeah, that's just our business. That's it's our business. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, there are city managers. You work for several different city managers. We're all different. There's no one form of being a city manager. We have our 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 or kind of our strengths and our, our philosophy or our approach to things. For me, it's being strategic and it's organizational development. And it's, you know, having strong processes. I, uh, you know, I, I was a big Jim Collins guy when he came out with that good to great book. I loved it. I was all in on it. And, and Tom loves that book too. Yeah. When, when he, he taught it and we read it and it, it, it was a really great book. The, the big takeaway for me out of all that it offers, the, the, the way I summarize that book to people is, you know, when he started doing his research to figure out what makes a great organization great, and is there a commonality? There was no commonality, right? The commonality is that great organizations rolled up their sleeves, identified where they wanted to be, and they just were persistent, relentlessly persistent and deliberate in their approach to get to where they wanted to be. And, uh, and so that's what I've, you know, how I adhere to, to doing city management day to day. That's how, what I communicated to my, my team. I go, we will be an exemplary Hill Country community. We, we are going to provide the best city services possible. We are going to listen to our citizens. We are going to, um, you know, have great customer service and, you know, all this stuff. And you keep preaching it, preaching, preaching. Next thing you know, either you're going to live up to it or you're not. Then you yeah, gotta you get you got to live it and you got to feel it. I mean, at some point in a culture shift, you start, everybody starts feeling it. The citizens coming into the front counter feel it, right? right? Every, our vendors, they know our, they know our mission. They know our values. They know where they are. I call them an extension of us. You have to live by these same values. And if you don't, we'll get somebody else. I mean, right. we want them to have these same core values and the same mission statement of service um, that we have. And I think that's critical in that. And I love what you said, uh, which is so important. Uh, Randy and I talk about it pretty much in some way every episode, which is you got to figure out we're giving you insight from Ben Thatcher and his journey as a city manager at the city of Bernie. But you've got to figure out your journey at your city and where that needs to be and what that focus is and what is in, like you said, have intent, you know, have a strategy. Um, it's very intentional, but you have to follow through with it. Once you identify it, you must follow through. But it is different at every place. We don't want anybody saying, OK, I need to do it. OK, I need to do it Ben's way because yeah. at your city, it may not work that way. It depends on the personalities you're working with. It depends on right. your mayor and council. All of those can be a dynamic difference at each city, and you have to understand it in order to uh, provide for it. Well, that's that's you're spot on. And even you know, with spending 18 years in one city, 
And I'm pretty proud of what that city looks like and what they do and being a part of that journey. But I learned quickly, I can't, I, I tried to bring a lot of what I did there. Not all of it, I knew it wouldn't all fit, but I tried to bring certain pieces here and, and, and with and with little success, right? I realized, okay, I need to understand the tone of my community a little better. An example would be my very first day on the job. I go to my first leadership meeting, introductory, talking to everyone, meeting all the directors. And I let them know a little bit about myself. And I said, hey, I'm just going to need to ask for your patience. Please extend me some grace as I get to know what's going on. Um, and if you feel like I'm coming too fast, too quick, uh, just be patient with me and, and you know, kind of let me know. I go, I'm just, I come from an environment where it was just fierce, right? In the metro area, in the middle of, you know, Fort Worth with five other cities that I share a border with. You don't move fast, you're left behind. You yeah. are. And, and the comment was, well, hey, we work hard too. And I said, well, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just telling you, I, I know it's going to be a little different um, pace. And sure enough, my first couple of months here, I was a little bugged because, you know, you go come here at lunchtime and no one's here. And I'm like, where's the coverage and who's here to greet people and whatnot. And, and then I had to realize, oh, wait, that's the whole community's that way. Right. Like everyone goes to lunch and no one's here on Friday because uh, they're all out, they're hunting lease or whatever it might be, right? <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> or, or they're, enjoy, they're enjoying a beer at the brewery or whatever. Right. So, uh, so I've had to recalibrate uh, my expectations, which was completely fine. Uh, it was hard at first because I was so driven by the way, you know, in 18 years in Southlake, which is an exceptional city and organization, uh, uh, you know, I had to kind of, detox a little bit that's not the right word but i had to come unwind a little bit from what i was used to there because it wasn't going to work here there's a lot of key principles that do i just had to have to present them differently um, for my organization we've done that is there any one thing you know for those for those listeners maybe new enroll struggling with the culture shift right now is there just like one thing that really stands out in your mind that if you do anything, do this one thing. I mean, I know there's a whole litany of yeah, things you need to do, but is there one thing that you say you you must do this? So, you know, I've had a lot of folks, a lot of friends, and again, having four brothers that work for different cities, you know, you can imagine what the Thanksgiving family dinners like. Is there an HR father. director in there? No, there's no ones. HR director. We need an HR. <laughs> we can't <professor>. write the <laughs> stories that that we hear. Right. <laughs> You know, so I know everyone, you know, everyone operates differently. You know, we all we will share, we'll commiserate with the challenges we have. And sure. they're kind of the same with different looks and feels, but that are different. But um, at, at the end of the day, I think, you know, you can't go wrong by setting, setting a tone, be deliberate on the tone, figure out your leadership mantra, share it. And, and follow up on it. The moment you don't follow up on anything you're saying, you've, you you have no ability for wins. Uh, everyone's going to doubt um, your intent. Um, so, but, but, but do it genuinely. I've tried to really show who I am genuinely. I'm not an extra, I'm not a, this huge extroverted person, um, uh, but I do care about people. And sometimes I got employees that wish I was out and about more often in the trenches with them or, you know, going to lunch. That's just not me. 
and I, and, I, and I'm open about that, but they do know I care. And, um, and, and I, and I think the other piece of any type of, if you're going into a change management journey, you need to keep in mind that when I had worked with a deputy city manager once upon a time who shared this with me, he goes, you can go and get a heart transplant and, Maybe while they're in, you know, doing that operation, they need to do something else. But you start doing a lung transplant, a kidney transplant all at the same time, your body's just going to shut down and not uh, accept the new organs, right? And that's always stuck with me. So when I go across, I know I have this uh, ambitious change management agenda or journey to do. I I realize I got to identify bite-sized chunks and focus on that for six months. And then come back six months later. I got to layer it, right? And uh, well, and people need to learn how to live it. They they need to see that we are we are part of that solution, and we need to live by that solution because it's like you said, it's layers. Right. It's layers. You have to keep building upon it. It's not just a sprint, and then you stop and go, okay, check mark, done. It just doesn't. Well, he had, he had to he had to prove to his team we we're going to read this book. Right. Yeah, right. We're, no, we're not just going to pass these out and think about it. And not just read it. We're going to, I'm going to, I ask each, we read it in between meetings and I ask each director, I assign them a different chapter. They had to lead the discussion about the chapter. So they actually had to kind of think about it and know, you know, how it applies to their, you know, and that was all part of just trying to get a, a kind of a culture shift a little bit. And, uh, but it's well, not it's lost on mindset. me, the comment, it's not lost on me, the comment that you made though, that the team, you know, they're now hungry. The, the, They've made the adjustment to the pace, the culture in two and a half years. Yeah. Kudos. Cause you clearly have shifted it. If people are kind of, okay, you know, next, I mean, we do get, we do get hooked on success. success. We do get hooked on, you know, on being part of a winning team. And I would assume that now recruitment is going to be infinitely easier than it was two and a half years ago because that's right. A players want to play with a players. That's, That's right. You, you, the name gets known. Um, and, and I can say, you know, I, even when Randy said Ben was coming on, I said, city of Bernie. I, I know I'm pretty sure I might've met Ben on a conference or something. Cause Bernie's been in the spotlight. Um, mm -hmm. so the very thing you said is, is coming to fruition from me looking outside or in, and I'm not in your area. I'm right. in Dallas area. Um, but I know Bernie was, I mean, I've seen them at conferences highlighting things that they're doing where there's the Dallas's and the Grand Prairies and the Fort Worth's that are huge. And we're going, wow. Okay. We need to do what Bernie's doing. Like, so those, it, it doesn't matter city size. You can make an impact in an area, in an entire philosophy, in a service mentality. You know, there's just so right. many things we all can contribute to the good of city government just by being an example for others. If, in it, if not in at least one thing, right. Absolutely. Um, that journey is so critical and to see what others are doing and then to see what fits and you can take pieces of it. We're so willing to share, which is what I, I honestly love so much about city government is there is a desire to share what we're doing that might help you. Right. Um, like you're doing what Absolutely. Bernie's doing that might help others um, and, and allowing others to follow that lead and then make it their own. And we don't have regrets about doing such. Right. No, absolutely. My biggest challenge now is now that I've got all this organizational stuff kind of done, cleaned up, not completely, but we're, we're there. We made good progress and we're doing some stuff in the community. I got to now think about how do I provide great um, high performance leadership for 
the governance culture? How do I create a culture where people who want to be city future city council members are planning and zoning commissioners or library board members, and they understand what it means to be a board appointee to be a cog in this high performance uh, framework and um, got good council members who are supporting that. That's, that's kind of my next evolution. That'd be a great topic for us too, Randy, yeah. you know, for, we haven't yeah, talked we'll about definitely that. Have to, we'll have definitely have to have you back to talk about that. Hey, before we, we say goodbye and you've been gracious with your time and um, I, I've been really looking forward to having you, having you on this show. Ben and I talked about doing this a long, long time ago, Lisa, and just circumstances and situations just weren't right. So, uh, he, he knows that he was top on my hit parade of, of ha having on the show. I want to talk and kind of end the conversation about legacy, particularly as it relates to your impact on emerging leaders. I know that you were very involved, uh, up at UNT and trying to help you know, some of these young people that are wanting to, to enter this field and even emerging leaders there in Southlake, emerging leaders there where you are, I don't know, just talk to us about that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, first off, I think it started when I was in grad school and I felt like I wanted to be a city manager and I, you know, I had a, I had a little bit of ins and outs just because of having grown up in that profession profession. I knew what it entailed to a degree um, I knew city managers, uh, I would go family vacations would be at ICMA and TCMA conferences, right? So kind of had a perspective. And I always wanted to share that with as many of my peers as I could uh, when I was going to grad school, just to understand what it was like growing up in the in a local government family. And then when I, uh, you know, graduated, my father he he was heavily involved in his MPA graduate program and was administrator of the year. And so that was kind of an example he had already set. He'd always hired interns and we had a strong intern program in South Lake. I wanted to, to, to continue to support. But I think what it really comes down to is uh, the whole notion of uh, the Athenian oath. Are you guys familiar with that? Tell us. I'm not. In fact, I got it right here on my desk. We get this black. So the Athenian oath is the uh, is the notion of back in the day under you know back when Greece was the empire it was. As young adolescents were going to come into adulthood, they would go through, through some sort of military academy, and they would come out and swear an oath in order to become a citizen of the of the, of the state. And, and there's several different versions of there out that out there, but a lot of public administrators will abide by this code. And it says we will ever strive for the ideals and sacred things of the city, both alone and with many. We will unceasingly seek to quicken the sense of public duty. We will revere and obey the city's laws. We will transmit the city not only not less, but greater, better and more beautiful than it was transmitted to us. So that's my kind of the personal approach I take to my city management career, but I also extend that to trying to build up, you know, other public servants, future public servants, um, people who think they might want to be in it. I know that there's a, such a strong demand for greatness in public, uh, uh, you know, in the civic world, right? In uh, public administrators, depending on what, what level you want to be at. Not enough people will say, yeah, let me go to school to become a civic servant, right? That doesn't really happen. And so I feel like, you know, since I was afforded an opportunity to 
and blessed to work in great cities, both in Denton, South Lake, and now Bernie, and having those experiences growing up with, with my father as a city manager. I just feel like I need to share that with as many other people that think they might want to be involved in it somehow, because, you know, the state of Texas is growing like crazy. And small cities like Bernie are going to be larger cities, mid-sized cities, and Grand Prairie is going to be a behemoth here, you know, before too long. You guys have so much room to grow. And, and, uh, and you know, farmland is going to be new cities. And so there's going to be a need for people who know how to do great city management, high-performance city management, or HR directors, or police chiefs, wherever it may be. Those are the key words, is high-performing and great, because we're trying to ch- we're trying to continue to build on that legacy of of great people right. that we are bringing up you know not not just ones to send out not just anyone but right. to send great ones right we talk about that and and we we've talked about that philosophy here uh, and i've talked to steve uh steve die who's our city manager yeah. now and said my philosophy i'm not one that just feels i have to retain them for 25 years i want to grow them and send them because what legacy does that leave for us too that right. they know they're getting quality, uh, thoughtful, strategic individuals when they come and from us or from other cities, right? And that's what you want to leave behind you is that we're growing them to be great so they can serve others better. And that's our whole purpose. Well, at the end of the day, you know, you and I, we all want to retire being a great high-performing community that's well-run, right? And, uh, and too often not, you'll see the bad stories where, cities who maybe don't have a recruiting competitive advantage they they hire whoever you know the best on the candidate list i guess and they may not be well suited and it puts them in a worse position mm-hmm. that that's you know contradicts that statement i just read i had I, I feel like i have a moral obligation to leave bernie in a better place than it was when i received it. and it was a pretty dang good community when i received it and so that's a lot of stress and pressure on me that i internalize and I'm committed to, uh, you know, to moving forward with that charge. And I feel the same way about the profession. Well, we so much appreciate you taking time with us, Ben. I know you're a super busy guy. We can tell that just from this today's conversation. But thank you so much for spending time for for not only me. I've enjoyed it. I know Randy has. But for our listeners, just for sharing insight, we haven't really talked about this uh, culture shift and the change management that comes in when you're taking over, whether it's a, a new department or if it's a city as a city, you know, as a city manager. Um, but thank you for your insight. Really enjoyed the conversation. No, I appreciate it. It was, it was a pleasure. It was good chatting with you guys and meeting you, Lisa, and catching up with you, Randy. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.